And we're back, guys. The Blue Bloods are here with another loaded episode full of college football content for your Tuesday this week. Um, you know, we start the episode off by talking about which school deserves the title of the linebacker U. We then react to the initial FPI rankings for the upcoming 2020 college football season. And we only got three segments today, so we wrap it all up with another recruiting update from the Blue Bloods. We focus on USC and their just outstanding start to the 2021 recruiting class. Um, you know, it's about that time, so let's kick it off. So we start off here with our position you segment. Um, you know, we've been doing this for, uh, I don't know, Brandon, how many, like five episodes now. Yeah, and it's been a minute. It's been, it's been a minute, but uh, we have, we continue on the defensive side of the ball today. Linebacker, uh, ESPN ranked Georgia as linebacker you followed by Alabama, Ohio State, USC, and Penn State. Um, and, you know, in case you're a new listener, or in case you know you haven't caught up on the episodes due to the quarantine or whatever it is, we can only take into account linebackers from 1999 onward. So, Brandon, what school did you pick as linebacker you and why? Guys, I'm going to go ahead and preface this uh, segment by saying I know how I sound. Um, we got Sleepy Brown over here. I get it. It's it's finals week where it's getting to all of us. But, uh, yeah, I, so just to go ahead and let you guys know, I don't think that I can ever – um, agree with ESPN. So I'm gonna have to go with the second place team here um, in Alabama. And I hate to say that that burned that burned coming out of my mouth. Uh, didn't like one bit of that. But I mean, you look at the players they've produced. I mean, just here recently, or not even recently, but just in the past, you know, 15, 20 years. And uh, to me, it's it's almost a no brainer. I mean, I understand the arguments for Georgia. Well, really, before Georgia, I understand the arguments for USC, Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, but Alabama to me, just C.J. Mosley, Rolando McClain, Dante Hightower. Jeez, uh, I mean, the list goes on. But, I mean, let's focus on C.J. Mosley here for a second. One of the most dominant linebackers we've seen in, I, I mean, at least in the BCS era he was. Um, I, I mean, just an incredible linebacker. Uh, Dante Hightower was right up there with him. Uh, and, and, I mean, the other ones that I listed, they're just – Something about Alabama's linebacking core just seems complete to me, and it seemed complete for the past probably, uh, I don't want to say 15, but probably past decade for sure. I, I can't argue with you there. I mean, Alabama was my number two team. Uh, the only reason I didn't pick Alabama is because I thought the team that I did pick was more consistent. I think Alabama had the best linebacker during this time or one of the best in CJ Mosley. Uh, but I still think I, I have to go a different direction, but Brandon, can I, can I start off by saying this? I don't think we've ever done a segment that I hate more than this segment. And the reason I say that is because every episode, it seems like me or you have to talk about my two most hated teams in the college football in Alabama and Georgia. And I really oh, no. don't know how long I could take this. And if we if we have to keep doing this repeatedly, uh, I don't know how long much longer I can go, man. But so just to add on to the hate, you picked Alabama. I think I'm going to have to go with Georgia here as much you as I hate it. it. 
Yeah, I do. I think this is only what the second time I've agreed with ESPN on these rankings, and I'm going with Georgia over here. I know. Uh, you see, that's the problem with my personality. I'm just like I'm like a chalk type of person. I guess that's what I get for being an analytical type of dude. Brandon goes yeah, with his heart, so he has he has hot takes coming for you guys every episode. Me, you just get it. You get face value. I mean, I guess you can get the information I give you from elsewhere. Brandon has a unique take, but I'll stick with it. It works, but. You know, I've, like I said, I do think this might be obvious and easy, but I don't think there's a team that's as consistent as the Bulldogs were. Um, during the time period, the BCS college football playoff era, 21 linebackers have been drafted out of Athens. And, you know, they're headlined by, I think, two of the bigger names when Roquan Smith and Jarvis Jones, and you also had Leonard Floyd. It, out of it, out of Georgia, and you know to highlight these two players, I mean Jarvis Jones, one defensive player of the year, he finished in top ten in Hosman voting his last year at Georgia, and in only two seasons with the Bulldogs, he had forty four tackles for loss and twenty eight sacks in only two seasons. Guys, I mean twenty eight sacks in two seasons. I don't know if y'all can do the math. That is fourteen sacks a season for a linebacker. I mean Chase Young has the record with what was it 16 and a half this year and this dude was averaging 14 a year at the linebacker spot that's unheard of and with Roquan Smith I mean that's a way more recent player a lot of people who listen remember Roquan Smith you know leading that Georgia team to the national championship with Jake Fromm in 2017 he also won defensive player of the year that year he had over 250 tackles 20 and a half for loss in his career and he won the Dick Buckus award so for me, I really feel like Georgia deserves this title due to these top two players and just the consistency with 21 linebackers being drafted out of this college in this time period. Yeah, man. Look, Georgia, I understand how ESPN had them up here in this list. It's, I don't know, something about it to me. Um, Alabama had to be top. I'd probably even put, like I said before, USC, Penn State, Ohio State ahead of Georgia. But I mean, you you make a pretty valid argument there, um, and, and to me, this may be one of the closer, uh, you know, position used that we've we've spoken about so far. I, I just want to address: uh, you're going to put USC and Penn State over Georgia? I mean, if you ask, it, I mean, if you go out and poll everybody in the country who's LBU, I mean, historically, it's been Penn State, right? Yeah, maybe maybe like historically, but in the in the BCS college football playoff era. Look, I'm very easily swayed. My opinion isn't really my own, Zach. We all know this at this point. <laughs> I'll give you that. I mean, I just I, I feel like it was Georgia and Alabama in the top two by a landslide. I mean, I understand. I think Ohio State might be a close third. I just USC. I think hit their peak in the mid 2000s with Ray Maluga and Clay Matthews and all those type of players. But they all came in a very, very close proximity to each other. Even played, someone played on the same team. But outside of that, I can't think of a super elite USC defender that has come out in recent years. I mean, it seemed to be like the Pete Carroll era or bust for this position for USC and for Penn well, yeah, State. But I mean, to be totally fair, this USC team has just been – you know, the, the Pete Carroll era or bust recently. I mean, they're not coming out of the gates with Clay Helton. I'll give you that. I, I mean, I, th that's why I don't think they can be 
top five. I don't even know if I would have USC in my top five. Penn State, I get. I think Micah Parsons, you know, this year is going to put them even higher on the list. I think Micah Parsons is an elite linebacker. And I feel like a school that's on the rise is Clemson, especially recently with Dabo Swinney. I mean, Clemson's has some pretty good linebackers highlighted by Isaiah Simmons. Um, but for me, Georgia and Alabama have to take this by a landslide. I mean, literally, uh, we usually try to do 45 minutes to an hour episodes every two times a week for you guys. We could probably spend 45 minutes to an hour just listing the amount of elite, elite linebackers coming out of Georgia and Alabama, right? Fair enough, yeah. Because I think Alabama I mean, had three three buckets winners in this time period. I think um, it was C.J. Mosley... Uh, Rolando McLean and I th- believe maybe Mac Wilson or one of the more recent players, but I think all three of them won the Buckets Award. Yeah, so that could be actually a really fun idea for like our next live stream. We just sit there and name players that we think of. It's just hey, who are the best linebackers from these <laughs> two schools? Why is the SEC the most dominant conference in college football? You get it. So you stole my thunder. I was going to announce that at the end of the show when we were going to uh, announce what we were yeah. doing next week. Okay. You just you, you said, let me snatch that away from Zach and like yeah, break yeah, his no. heart. I can't let you it's have okay. anything. It, it's, I'll bleep it's it out, guys. don't worry. It, it'll get bleeped out in editing. <laughs> you would just put like a random dr- uh, drum sound effect or something in there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll start playing our theme song again. <laughs> guys, but we're going to move on to our next segment and this one is going to be interesting. Uh, the initial FPI rankings from ESPN are officially out for the upcoming 2020 season. And the Blue Bloods have some thoughts and opinions on these new rankings. Uh, the rankings did a lot of things. They had different playoff predictors, conference rankings, etc. But they ranked Clemson as the number one team in the country. And they gave Ohio State 2, Alabama 3, Wisconsin as the fourth best team in the country and Georgia fifth. The rankings also gave the Pac-12 and Big 12 only a 28% chance to make the playoffs, guys, while giving the SEC and Big 10 a higher chance to land multiple teams in the playoffs. And finally, they identified the most likely playoff combination as Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Brandon, there's a lot to break down here. And so I laid it all out. We'll start here with the rankings of the top 10 teams in the country. What team sticks out to you? And is there a team that, in your opinion, is being overlooked? Um, Man, so the team that sticks out to me most has to be Wisconsin, I think, at number four. That's really high for Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin just, to me, seems like a team that you can pretty much write off every single year as, hey, you know, the initial ESPN rankings are going to have them at like 17. Yeah, that's usually where they start, right? There, or like sometimes they're just right there on the fringe of even being ranked. I think last season they were ranked like 23rd before we started um, the season. Anyway, so yeah, I think Wisconsin has to be the one that stands out the most. Is that to say that, hey, I don't think they should be there? Look, everyone knows my thoughts about Wisconsin. I think they should be there. Zach doesn't, uh, but Zach's also probably mad about a lot of things. I'll let him talk about that more, but I, you know, I, I won't even. I won't even bring up. What I was about to bring up UNC's on the list. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give. It's fine. It's fine. That, that's why they're my dark horse pick. Like I feel like that's fair enough. LSU probably wasn't picked very high last year. No, they weren't. Uh, super. See, they were ranked. 
Yeah, no, they were definitely ranked. But, I mean, to me, Brandon already stole my thunder on one, so I'll switch up my argument. I was going to start with another team, but Wisconsin at number four, to me, might be the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. I mean – Outrageous. Oh, it's absolutely you're, outrageous. You're, uh, you're outraged by this, Zach. You know who else was outraged? Like the people of France during the revolution. Uh, there's been a lot of outrages in history. You're calling this an outrage? Outrage. Uh, okay. to me, so in case you guys don't know, Jonathan Taylor was the number two running back on our all-decade list. So you're telling me you're going to lose one of the best running backs in the past decade that ran for over 2,000 yards for three straight years. And we're just going to overlook it and say, oh, it's a plug and replace. I don't think so. I don't think he's the next Monty Ball or whoever or Corey Clement or anyone else you want to point at Melvin Gordon. I think he's better than all those running backs at the college level. And I think that's going to be a huge hindrance on this team. And then the compound with that, their quarterback is average at best. Brandon, how much do you hate their starting quarterback? Realistically, I know you love their backup. How much do you hate their starting quarterback? If I had to give you like a scale of one to ten, like I'll go ahead and rank both of them. Jack Cohn lands somewhere right around like a six point nine for me, and then Graham Mertz is like a like a nine point eight. You know, that's, that's if, how I feel. If Graham Mertz started last year, do you think Wisconsin makes the playoffs? Yeah. Yo, yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay. Not even close. That's how average their starting quarterback is. And oh, and they almost beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, but their quarterback probably cost them that game. Well, Jonathan I mean, Taylor had a really good game. He had a great game. Yeah, exactly. The quarterback lost him that game. And then I think, I think, you want, I think Wisconsin kind of their defense crumbled, but let's let's continue. We're not talking about we're not talking about last season right now. Everyone's defense crumbled against Justin Fields last year and J.K. Dobbins. Let's be honest here. And and you know, you have an average quarterback and you want to make it even worse by losing your best wide receiver to the draft in Quintez Cephas. Fair enough. Get that. And and then you have losses on defense like Zach Braun, which are going to really hurt your team and make an inexperienced person step in. And in your conference, you have at least three teams right now that I know will be better than you. Ohio State, Penn State, and Minnesota are more experienced and will have more talent than Wisconsin will next year. And that doesn't even include Michigan, which if they put it all together and find a decent quarterback, Michigan will most likely be more talented than Wisconsin. Eh, okay. So you have four teams in your own conference that are better than you right now on paper, and you're going to be ranked the fourth best team in the country? Uh, maybe, man. You know, things are unpredictable, man. Uh, I hate FBI. it. It made me nauseous, guys. It really ruined my day when I saw Wisconsin at four. I mean, uh, ruined your day. I, I, I think, I th- I, personally, I think even Auburn's overrated at nine, but at four, Wisconsin? That's yeah. just that's disrespectful. I mean, and you're gonna leave teams out of the top ten like Florida, and you're gonna put Wisconsin at four. I like it. I, I love it actually. That's and then uh, the obvious one for me. Brandon knew I was gonna address it. LSU at at, at really at six or five, wherever six. they were. Yeah, six. Georgia was at five. That's the one that makes me mad. I'll talk about it next. Oh, but this but, is- yeah, both of them are really bad. Well, I think Georgia has, you know, in the past three years has been a top five team. So I can get the thing like, it's like the Alabama effect. I mean, they've been good for repeated number of years. I think this is the same reason Oklahoma's in the top 10. I think Oklahoma lost Georgia. a lot of talent. 
I mean, and I guess you could call, you know, Clavion Chase on, you know, the an edge rusher, but I mean he played a little bit of both. And you lost Rashad Lawrence at defensive tackle. Those are two huge losses. I mean, you lose Patrick Queen, your best linebacker, you lose your best safety in Grant Delpit. Uh, and you also lose Christian Fulton, your second best cornerback. That's a lot of losses that are adding up, right? Yeah, Zach. And and uh, you know you can hear the pain in my voice right now. I get it. It's fine. I get it. It's it's, it's not outrageous because I feel like there's a lot more like injustices in the world that we can call outrageous, but it's it's definitely something. I'm just going to say this. If LSU comes out and wins the SEC, I'm going to have to take a lot of crap on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, you will. You will. I think I think there's going to be a riot. But And I guess if I had to pick one underrated team, uh, listen, I know they're in the top ten. I got you. I understand that it's hard to call a team in the top ten underrated. But I'm going with Oregon. I think Oregon. I think Oregon's a top four team in the country right now. That's tough. That's that. What an insane take! Was it? I thought you were the stats guy. Oh, I am the stats guy. guy. That, Oregon is most likely going to have the best offensive line in the country this year. They're going to have the best they're, offensive lineman in the country this year. They're probably going to have the most, the best offensive line. They, their offensive line has returns over 170 starts. Okay. They got the most experienced offensive line in the country, which is a huge part in making a true run of the title. I don't think LSU makes a run they do without all the experience they've returned at offensive line. Okay. I mean, they won the best offensive line award last year, am I, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I mean I'm, not, I'm not saying you're arguing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to hear you out. Yeah. They, they returned one of the best running backs in the country in CJ Verdell, who came on really, really strong late in the year last year. And, They've returned, I think, I believe every single uh, receiver on the roster returns next year for Oregon. That's a huge plus. The only question mark I see on this team is quarterback. And I think Tyler Shaw brings a unique set of intangibles and a unique skill set that I think even Justin Herbert didn't have when he got to Oregon. I think Tyler Shaw is going to be one of the most underrated players coming into the season. And by the end of the year, you guys are going to know who this kid is. He was a more highly touted recruit than even Justin Herbert was, and we just saw Justin Herbert go sixth in the NFL draft. And I haven't even got to the defense yet, Brandon. So they lost two players on defense and linebacker. They replaced those with top ten players in the country, Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. And right, right. we've we both talked on this podcast about how good both of those players are. And you add that with Kayvon Thibodeau coming back for his junior year and who finally seems to be coming into his own last year as an elite pass rusher, I think this defense could be one of the best in the country. So if Tyler Shaw can get it together, this Oregon team is probably going to be right up there with Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama as the most complete team in the country. Look, I'm not going to agree with you. I'm trying to think of something to say just because it's yeah, I'm my mind's a little bit blown right now. I should have seen this coming. You were leading up to this on on a previous episode. Um, don't know why it's taking me off guard as much as it is. Yeah, I, I, this isn't a new take, but so I got another question for you, Brandon. One last one for for the segment is: Do you actually think the Big Ten and SEC have a better chance of getting two teams in the college football playoff than the Big Twelve and Pac twelve have in making it at all? Uh, look, the only way I see the Big Twelve 
getting into the playoff would be Oklahoma. You know, Texas, obviously, you know, let's touch on a few things real quick. Texas has uh, is ranked number 11 in these rankings. That's way too high. I won't go into depth. Just horns down. Know that. They have them um, over Florida. Yeah, I, I know, Zach. It's it's. I don't like either team, but it's. I will say that I will recognize when rankings are ridiculous. Um, Oklahoma, I think it's the best chance. I, you know, they they drop down to ten for this ranking. Um, I don't really understand why, other than they lost Jalen Hurts, but they've lost their highest. They've lost their Heisman candidate quarterback for the past three seasons now, and and obviously that hasn't hurt them too badly. They've been in the playoff every year. Um, or at least for the past three years. So I, I don't understand that for the life of me. I don't, I mean, do I see the SEC getting two teams in? I could see it. Do I see the Big Ten getting two teams in? I can definitely see it. Uh, I'm not as high on Oregon as you are, but if a team from either one of those conferences, if there were, if there was a team from both conferences, I would say Oklahoma from the Big 12, um, Oregon from the Pac 12, but I, I could probably see two SEC teams instead of, uh, or making it in. Yeah, I mean, uh, so for me, I actually am going to take a weird take. I get your point with the SEC always having a chance to get two teams in, but for me at least, uh, I feel like this season is going to be different. So, you know, this may come as a surprise to some of our listeners, but hear me out here. So, yes, I want to preface this. The SEC and Big Ten are better overall conferences than the Pac-12 and Big 12, but the other ones will be stronger this year. So let's start with the Pac-12. Um, you know, Oregon is going to make a huge run at the playoffs. We all somewhat agree with that. Brandon thinks they're good, the favorite in the conference. I don't know if he's as high on them as I am, but they also have they they have a game against Ohio State that they can hang their resume on. That way, their schedule doesn't look weak. So even if they suffer a loss at Ohio State, or they beat Ohio State, suffer a loss against Washington, USC, something like that, I still think they can make a run and. For Washington, for me, Washington is the number two team in the conference, and they're going to have a strong argument if they win out, especially if they can hang their resume on a Michigan win. I mean, Brandon, even though we don't love Michigan, I feel like the committee does, right? Yeah, they do. They, I mean, they're they're up there every single time, you know, unless they have like two losses going into the first playoff rankings. I mean, they're always. I mean, not in the, like, the top four or anything. I mean, they've never made a playoff, but I mean, they're always up there. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And, you know, Brandon, I know you're going to hate this. Please just work with me here, all right? Okay. USC. Why would I hate that? I love I love Keaton Slovis. Uh, uh, Clay Hilton's an all right guy, I guess. I don't know. I don't hate it. Okay. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad you don't hate it then. Um you know, I think USC has a little bit of a shot. I mean, so Brandon, let me lay a scenario out for you. If they go out and beat USC and they win out, is there any way they don't make it? Um, I, I, I see what you're getting at here. Um, I don't know. You know, there, there's there's all kind of arguments against how the pack to against the Pac-12 right now, and I, you know, I don't really know if these will ease up. You know, as as uh, playoff talks uh, continue on for this upcoming season. Yeah, but I'm just telling you guys, if USC goes out and beats Alabama, I don't see how they get left out. 
I mean, right. they would have a win over Oregon. They would have a win over Washington. I would have a win over Alabama. I mean, USC would have one of the strongest resumes in the country. Um, and, you know, for the Big 12, I think there's three teams of realistic shots at the playoffs. And there's going to be a few dark horses that are going to be a key to this conference, in my opinion. I think Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State all have teams that can make a run at the playoffs. Do I think they'll all do it? Maybe not. But these three teams will uh, do have the talent to make a make it interesting. But this conference relies on Iowa State, Kansas State, and Baylor, in my opinion. These teams have to take the next step and be competitive. That with what is competitive to me, they need to be ranked at some point in the year, and they have to win their non-conference games. And if they do this, those if Oklahoma beats these three teams or Texas beats these three teams, Oklahoma State, I think these three teams will be looked more favorably by the committee if if these other three teams are ranked. I mean, they'll look at Baylor under Dave Aranda as they've been ranked for two years now. They were in the Big 12 championship. They would look at Iowa State, always a ranked team, always tough to beat. Kansas State, back on the rise after Bill Snyder's departure and – I think the Big 12 will have the most depth in the conference since the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I think the Big 12 has a lot of potential this upcoming season. And like I said, I don't really understand how they can count the Big 12 out this season, especially when they've had you know a, a team in the playoff for the past few years. Yeah, Oklahoma's made it every year but one, I believe, right? Right. I mean that they have. I mean they've lost all three of them. Uh, I got you there, but they still are in it, and that's half the battle, in my opinion. And you know, for me, the SEC realistically is the only conference I see putting two teams in. I I don't see a Wisconsin or Ohio State making it un, unless something just wild happens. I mean, it's really hard for two teams that are going to meet in the SEC championship to both make it. Right? I mean. Georgia and Alabama both made it, but they, but if you guys remember, Alabama didn't make the conference championship. How do you justify putting a team in after in their most recent game was a loss the day before these rankings are released? Well, the only thing I could see happening is maybe Wisconsin loses game to Minnesota. Minnesota goes on and loses Ohio state in the big 12 or in the big 10 championship. And then Wisconsin and Ohio state both make it or vice versa. The, the other way happens for Minnesota. I just don't see that happening for Minnesota this season, even though I mentioned them as a dark horse. Um, I don't know. That's the only way because they don't play Ohio State during the regular season this year. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But yeah, guys, that's the, these FBI rankings are always interesting. We'll probably break these down more moving forward, but we're going to move on to our last segment of the day. We were, We continue our recruiting updates right now we've already covered ohio state's red hot start on the recruiting trail unc stealing a four star out of alabama and being on a roll in this in this new you know recruiting class and most recently we talked about tennessee's resurgence somehow on the recruiting trail under jeremy pruitt they now have the number two class in the country and we bring you guys another update but now we head out to California and analyze what the USC Trojans are doing this recruiting cycle. After one of the worst classes in school history last year, where only one top 100 recruit committed, they were ranked outside the top 50. They were ranked behind some horrible, horrible teams. And USC has started this year 
outstanding. They had jumped into the top 10 of the rankings already. The class is stacked with some elite recruits. They already have multiple recruits. I believe it's five in the top 200 already committed. They're recruiting well in their state of California. Brandon, what do you think this says about USC moving forward? And honestly, in your honest opinion, could this save Clay Hilton's job? Well, I think it, I think it speaks numbers about USC um, going forward. You know, obviously, most of their talent so far, most of their commits from 2021 are from the state of California, which is just to me so key to the success of this USC program. Uh, if you lose California, there's no chance you're winning the Pac-12, especially if you're USC. Uh, you have to retain these West Coast kids. Uh, I mean, you look at their top, uh, you look at their top three recruits, for instance. I mean, two of them are from. California and Jake Garcia uh, and goodness, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. Um, but they've got a they've got a four star quarterback uh, and, and a four star outside linebacker right now, both from the state of California, and they're number three overall recruit for the 2021 class, which they they snagged just a few days ago on May 1st is uh, Quadarius Davis out of Texas, and that's another key point for me. I think that if you can recruit well in California and you can recruit uh, recruit well in Texas, that's always going to turn out well for your program, um, especially when teams like, uh, I mean, obviously all the Texas schools, and then you have SEC tapping into Texas talent. Um, to be able to compete with those schools for, for this type of talent is essential. And I think, honestly, yeah, it could save Clay Helton's job. I mean, obviously this upcoming season for USC isn't looking too bright, but 2021, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, if the AD is looking forward to this, if the boosters are looking forward to this and they choose, you know what? Hey, Clay Helton, uh, he signed these guys. He's the one who got them in the door. If they can recognize that, then yeah, I think for sure it saves his job. But I mean, if they're, if they're too short-sighted to look at that sort of thing, then I'm not positive. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I think the USC... I guess head of USC athletic director, et cetera. I, I think they're going to have to look at this closely. I mean, last year, Brandon, they were 10th in the PAC 12 in their recruiting class, which is not acceptable in in my opinion for USC this year. They're, they're way ahead at first and their average recruit rank last year was a B about 87, which isn't great this year. They're at almost 92 for their recruit rank. Uh, as you said, Jake Garcia, I mean, I believe his pro comparison is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, that's pretty good. Ryan Tannehill was pretty good in college, guys. I mean, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, pro-style quarterback. I mean, top 30 player in the country, guys. Usually, toward the end of the recruiting rankings, the top 32 to 35 players are five stars. This kid is going to earn his fifth star if he keeps if he sticks where he is right now. That's a huge win for USC. And Brandon said they're recruiting California and Texas well. They have 10 recruits all from Texas or California. And I believe eight of them are from California. Right. And that is the key to success. I mean, if you think about what made Pete Carroll so successful in his time at USC, it's that he recruited California well. He didn't let those big recruits out of California go to Alabama go to Texas, go to Georgia, go to Florida, but he kept them at USC. And this, it blows my mind that such a a campus and a, and a school so rich in tradition and history can't convince these kids that they would want to stay and play for them. 
I mean, right. it just blows my mind. Yeah, and another thing, you know, not to overlook this at all, uh, USC, not only, I mean, are they recruiting these two states very well, they're recruiting their positions extremely well. I, I mean, it's way too often we see schools that have what? I mean, five receiver recruits. You know, they waste five scholarships on receivers. USC has no more than two players at any one position. And that, that two, those two players are offensive line right now. I mean, they have a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, two offensive linemen, a defensive lineman, a linebacker, defensive back, two athletes. I, I mean, it, to me, they're doing everything right for this 2021 class. And, you know, as, as much as anyone could possibly hate USC, you have to admit when they're doing well. And they're, they are doing extremely well right now. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about a person like Keaton Slovis who's still going to be around when these recruits get to campus. I mean, I think having Jake Garcia behind him in case of injury, Quandarius Davis, a wide receiver, as a big target for him, can do nothing but help his development as a quarterback. And Clay Helton, I asked you, will this save his job? I think it has to. I mean, Yes, if the on-the-field performance doesn't follow, it probably doesn't save his job. But it's hard to win with with with. It's hard not to win with elite recruits, is what I was trying to say. I mean, when you have top ten recruiting classes every year, you're almost guaranteed nine and three, especially in the Pac-12, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, <laughs> like you said, this class alone could could really boost them up to that level. Yeah, I, it just. Insane, guys. And I mean, uh, another thing is there's a lot of recruits that are considering USC that haven't committed yet. Right. That right. That and is that's, the biggest thing. And and I spent the first half of the segment like just harping on the fact that they're recruiting California and Texas. Well, USC, like Zach said earlier, is one of these you know very storied uh, teams. I mean they they're full of tradition. And I mean, you know, you think of college football, you I mean, I think you have to think of USC at some point. And so they're recruiting. I mean, right now it's just California and Texas, but by the end of it, it's going to be, I mean, the entire country, right? I mean, if you're a kid from, from where we're from and in, in South Alabama and you get, you get an offer to go to USC, I mean, can you just overlook it? Can you just say, Hey, nah, it's you. That's just USC. I'm not going there. No, I think you have to take into account. Well, yeah, you definitely do. And I think the thing that might be overlooked here, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, but I think this COVID-19 outbreak that for that limited players' ability to go visit places is actually playing into USC's hand. Those out-of-state right. kids don't want to commit to Alabama all the way across the country without making sure their family is okay with it. That's true. I mean, how much does that really play a role? I mean... Do you think Tua Tagovailoa is going to Alabama if his family can never visit the campus? You're you're bringing up a very valid point right now, Zach, and I'm trying to be irrational. I get you're trying to bring me back down to earth, but it's much less fun than my version. Well, I'm about to get you real excited here. I mean, Brandon, do you know where the number one recruit in the country is from? Hit me up. Corona, California. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Do you know Not who's great. the favorite over Clemson to land him right now? And that is USC. Wow. That's, that's and nice. do you want to, do you want to be even more scared? Do you know where the number two recruit in the country is from? Where? Washington. 
Also, right in the backyard of USC. Because, guys, let me just throw this at y'all. Washington just went through a coaching change. So those relationships might not be built all the way. And, you know, yes, have has USC lost some recruits? Yes. You know, Rajon Davis already out of out of Mater Day, California, already committed to LSU. That's you're going to lose a few recruits. There's too many recruits in California not to lose some. But you're also the favorite for Tony Franklin. I mean, Troy Franklin out of, you know, California as a wide receiver, a top 30 recruit. You also have all these other players in California, like say you're right. And then, I mean, you have so much talent at that state is me and Brandon aren't asking for USC to land every recruit out of California, but you at least have to land. What do you think, Brandon? Four out of the top 10, five out of the top 10. You, you have to be, you have to be right around four. I think, um, I think that if you don't land four, then you're that that's to me, that's a fail. I, I I agree. And for right now, guys, if you if you're counting, they already have two of the top ten. They're leading for another two. But a scary thing is they've already lost some of the top ten. They lost one to LSU. They lost another quarterback to Notre Dame. They lost a wide receiver in Bo Collins to Clemson. I mean, there's schools that are becoming for these kids, but I really think this COVID nineteen outbreak did wonders for this recruiting class, guys. I mean Clay Helton can call those guys. And, you know, I, do I think they're doing secret visits? I think everyone's doing secret visits. I mean, if you're right across, right around the corner from these kids, why wouldn't you, right? Right. So I think USC is going to be on a roll. And if they land a, the number one player, player in the country, I think Clay Helton might have bought him another year unless he has a losing record. If he goes seven and five, but he has a top 10 recruiting class coming in, I think USC is going to bite the tongue and keep him. I mean, if they're already trying to defend keeping him after the season he had last year, why would you not keep him after he landed a top 10 recruiting class and you have Keaton Slovis coming back for one more year at least? And that's not, that's saying that he doesn't come back for a senior year, which we've seen quarterbacks like I believe Sam Darnold came back for his last year, correct? Right. And I think, I mean, Keaton, this is just going to be a sophomore year right now. I mean, he's got two more. I mean, he's got at least one more year after this year. Yeah. So you were right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, my mind's in a pretzel right now, guys. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> but guys, that is a wrap on the episode. A little bit shorter episode. Brandon's hard studying for finals week for him. Um, but big announcement. Live streams are returning next week. Um, more more details on that coming soon, but we're going to live stream again, like similar to the draft. We're answering strictly y'all's questions. We aren't coming on to talk our agenda, our topics. It is all up to you guys. Anything y'all want to know relating to the draft, college football, anything like that, log on, ask us. It's going to be available in the same places our live stream for the draft for YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Periscope. Find us wherever. Uh, you know, pop y'all's comment up interact with us uh we love answering y'all's questions we do this for you guys anyway so make sure to tune into that uh find the podcast everywhere guys i mean apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify social media is where we post most of our announcements facebook it is at the blue bloods pod twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods and then uh instagram at the underscore blue bloods um 
follow, like, subscribe, rate the podcast wherever y'all can. Tell your friends, family, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, whatever you want to do. Come listen to us. Get your football content here. No sports yet. I believe they're going to be coming very soon based on all the news. But we're going to keep bringing you guys two episodes a week and a live stream. So make sure to check us out. But for right now, we out.